0: Augmenters. I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we know that great leaders have great mentors. Today, we are joined by Tom Preston, founder of Preston Associates, a global executive coaching firm.
1: Tom really got our brains into high gear with some tried and true easy steps for you to take to create mental frameworks to help you connect more authentically with others and grow to your potential. The connection piece that Tom brought seems so basic, but it's huge. I'm going to quote Tom here because he tells us in this discussion that the smartest people in the world ask for help. To grow better to your potential, listen to this entire episode and you're going to hear about the power of the Nirvana letter. I'm not talking about a 90s grunge band. No, I'm talking about where do you want to be in your life? And this entire Augmenters episode is based around the principle of resilience and how a strong mentor tree in your life will help you remain powerful throughout your business and personal life. Here comes Tom.
0: Tom Preston, we are so happy to have you here on Augmenters today. How are you doing?
2: I'm good, and thank you very much for having me, Julie. Thank you, Jimmy, to both
0: of you. Tom, you've done so many amazing things in your career. You have lived all over the world, you have worked in all different kinds of industries, and today you are the founder and the president of Preston Associates, which is a global executive coaching firm. And we are so excited to talk to you today for so many reasons. But one is you have this incredible deep expertise in executive coaching. And that is a topic that comes up very often on augmenters because we talk a lot about mentoring and how people can be better mentors. But then the topic of coaching often comes up. So I feel like our very first question for you, which I know is a burning question for both Jimmy and I, is can you tell us the difference between mentoring and executive coaching?
2: Sure i mean the first thing to say is that they often they often overlap and Mm -hmm. i think that a great mentor should be able to be a great coach and on occasion a great coach should be able to be a great mentor but they are by definition actually quite different in the sense that mentors tend to work with professionals to share their experiences so if they've run a factory, for example, they're saying, "Well, when I ran my factory, this is how I got the maximum number of widgets off that production line. Whereas a coach is not giving the answer to the client. The coach is really exploring the client, what options are available, what choices might work to get what the client wants. But the reality is that you know, very senior. Very time poor senior executives actually want a bit of both normally. And that's heresy to say that to HR. They would be absolutely <laughs> horrified to hear that. But I think there's an element of truth to it. And so in our firm, for example, we have only executive coaches who themselves have been leaders, who themselves have owned PL, who've managed balance sheets, who've managed teams of people two targets because actually you know our clients at the level that we work do want a bit of both but technically they are different one is to share experiences the other is to help a client find the answers that they want to find to the questions they have
1: and tom has that changed over time the difference between coaching and mentoring or maybe how the executives request assistance does it the kind of like air more towards coaching and or in mentoring as you run your business.
2: I think they're getting a bit closer in general because again, coaching wasn't that well understood when I set up this firm twenty-one years ago. Everyone was like, "Oh, it's a fad. It'll be gone two, in two weeks' time." You know, coaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, really. And if you and if you and if you can't do teach, you know that all of that stuff twenty years ago. That was what we heard, right? Today, it's a completely different thing. The smartest people in the world ask for help. They just do. Tom, say that again. (laughs) The smartest people in the world ask for help. It's so, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You you see, Jimmy, you're proving my point. (laughs) And whether that's asking for help from a coach or whether that's asking for help from a mentor, many executives have both.
0: I love that. I love that. And I think that idea has really shifted, right? Because I think for a long time, it was this idea of like you're a self-starter, you have to know everything, you have to do everything, you have to push. And I think that idea of having these, almost like a committee, right? A group of, we kind of call it a tribe of mentors, like having a group of people who are able to provide that input to an executive that allows them to see themselves from different sides and then potentially you know, kind of bring it together and feel confident in the way that they move forward. How would you say that in terms of mentoring from the coaching standpoint, do you find that certain clients want more of that, like hands-on experience, and some want more of that deep reflection, maybe that comes from coaching?
2: Yes, some want more of one or the other, and some don't know what they need, right? So so sometimes you have to be super flexible because you think that the brief is for one thing. You think it might be more around kind of how do I become a better leader and engage my people when the real thing is how do I come to terms with my father's death and the fact that I never got his approbation because that is actually what is motivating and driving me, not always in a good way, right? Mm. But you don't figure that out until you're deep in a conversation with somebody. And sometimes they can't figure it out for themselves. I mean, whether you are a coach or a mentor, you are a thinking partner, right? And I think the important piece is not only that we are thinking partners, but we're objective thinking partners. You know, if if my best friend comes to me and says, I've got this problem, how do you think I should think about it? My default position is you're my best friend, you must be right, the other person must be wrong. Because otherwise, why would we be friends, right? And if it's your partner or your mother or your father, you know, that's, that's even more entrenched, right? Uh, so the point is that whether you're a mentor or a coach or some kind of combination of those two things, you are a paid thinking partner who is completely objective and who has to have the necessary skills and qualifications to do those things properly. I think one of the issues around both mentoring and coaching is that people go, well, I can do that, but they're not properly trained. They're not, they haven't thought through what it really means. And those people, frankly, are downright dangerous. Can you
1: tell then when a client has maybe developed poor skills themselves? around mentoring or coaching their team and that when you begin to work with them you find that you almost have to like rewire the conversations to to become that like objective
2: you know thinking associate always in in the sense that there are some things that we do really well naturally and there are some things that are default behaviors that we're not even aware that we're doing Right? And what we're trying to help our clients do is to be able to be conscious about how they show up as a leader, to have a big menu of things they can do as a leader and a coach to help their people, to help gather people around collective success, to help them build trust, to have courageous conversations together, to make the difficult decisions. And, you know, being monochromatic doesn't work. If you only have one way of doing it, it only works part of the time. So the, the point is, you have to have that flexibility. You have to develop a suite of frameworks and tools and ways of thinking and ways even of communicating so that you can engage an ever broader church, right? We have more and more diversity. We have more and more need to include different types of people. And they all need different ways often of getting to their souls. So, yeah, I think it's always the, the case, um, Jimmy, that there is always an element of rewiring, or at least rethinking how I deliver my default best selves.
0: And it just feels like to your point, Tom, it just gets more and more over time. As you said, there's more and more people coming into the workplace from diverse experiences, but I think people are much more in touch. And Jimmy and I actually were recently just talking about this. People are more in touch and more willing to talk about past experiences, past traumas, past things that have happened to them in a work setting than they have it previously? Or at least that's our impression. Would you say that is something that you're seeing more of? I, I, think, or- I
2: think that's true because of authenticity. So we know that the way that we are created is in terms of our characteristics and all of our beliefs, our empowering beliefs, our enabling beliefs, and our limiting beliefs are all about our history and the way that we grew up and what happened in our house and what happened at school. Largely, those things are done, kind of are created by puberty, right? However, it is absolutely critical that if people are going to talk about those things, that they do so in a, in a psychologically safe environment and that they have complete choice about how much they share. Because what you don't want is you know, some, somebody taking a big risk on something that they maybe have never told another human being in their lives. And they walk out and go, I wish I'd never done that. So mm-hmm. people are more willing to talk about it. It is around that authenticity piece, but it must be done in a good way. I think I would caution anybody to think, oh, let me, you know, rush into my my team now and ask them their deepest, darkest secrets because it's going to bond us and make us better well, if you again, if you don't know what you're doing, don't do it. Tom, was there a specific either news
1: story or like time in the last twenty years when you felt like the authenticity switch was flipped? Because you know, I, I know when I was starting my career, right around like the Great Recession in the United States, a couple of years before that, you know, there was no sharing of this. I was still being regularly just uprated by my boss, just like for shits and giggles, more or less, who would just come yell at me for making him money. And uh, but now I feel like there's no way that would happen. and Instead, there would be real like there'd be a whole lot more sharing if I was 24 nowadays. But like, was there something that changed that you think?
2: Well, I don't think it's a single thing, Jimmy. I think it's the progression of it's an evolution, in fact, of what people need from leaders, what work environments are expected to deliver on, what people want for themselves and the the connection that they create with others. For many, many people, it is still true that the workplace can be a scary place. I mean, let's not think that it's Nirvana out there, because it definitely isn't. But it is getting better. And people are getting more thoughtful and more open. I was actually talking to a a client last week, wonderful woman, brought up in quite difficult circumstances. And because of the difficulty of the circumstances within which she was brought up, she has always found it very difficult to talk about her authentic self. So one of her sort of protection mechanisms is to hide behind her very carefully curated mask. But it's starting not to work. And so I took her through her telling me her life story, all of the difficult things that had happened, very difficult watching her parents' relationship, for example. I mean, obviously, from a confidentiality point, I'm not going to go into any great detail. And she just found it so liberating to be able to, in a safe place, talk about these things and talk about how, as a senior, very senior woman, leader, That actually she she had this absolute epiphany that it was time that she was her full self with her new team. She was moving jobs, and that this was an opportunity for her to take her mask off, throw it on the ground, and say, Hi, this is me. Now she's not sharing and you know, I would say some of the gory detail, but she's editing and to the degree that she is comfortable to share the things that she can share. And it will be the first time in her life. I then, and, and she practiced how she was gonna tell these stories and you know what bits of the story she wanted to tell and how she was gonna yeah. deliver that in a really authentic and, and humble and genuinely warm way. And then I got a call from her chief of staff two days later saying, hey, this thing that you've done with my boss, um, we want to do it as the leadership team, her new leadership team. Can you come in and start team coaching with us, starting with what we call the leadership tree, which is looking at your roots and how your beliefs got formed and what your coping mechanisms might be and your strengths and then what happens when you have all those wonderful strengths. But what happens in this team if you overuse them? And what are your dreams and your support systems? And so this wonderful way of talking about yourself, but in a safe way. And we actually get them to draw the tree and then they present back the tree. And so for somebody who's never done this, never had the courage to do it, never had the permission to do it, never felt confident enough to do. It's a magical moment, you know? Mm. So it's not a single thing, it's an evolution. And forget not, you know, today also. Leaders are are leading five different generations at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. just how different those generations are. And what they think of as is quote unquote normal. Because what's normal for you know one generation is Totally abnormal for the R, right? <laughs> so so my husband. Saying, okay. Yeah, landlines versus TikTok. <laughs> well, indeed. Yes. Versus, you know, um, yeah, SpaceX or whatever. I mean, yeah. Uh, so so Tom, I,
1: I one, one reason I love that story is that it was a great example of how uh, exceptional you are at upselling your clients to go from just one leader to then the entire team. So kudos
2: <laughs> to you. That, that. I well, one, one thing that you need to know about me, Jimmy, is I've never sold anything in my entire life, but I'm very happy to talk to a willing buyer. Yeah. I am totally stealing that,
1: Tom. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, th- totally I think we're going to see through it. that for you, Julie. We're going to know. It's...
0: Tom. That, oh my gosh. That was such oh a great wow. story. I have a question that keeps coming into my mind. And it touches on a few things that you've already shared about how, like if you are out of your depth, flag it, right? And I think as mentors, we mentors often, nine times out of 10 are not executive coaches, have not been trained in asking those kind of questions, have not been trained in, as you said, a lot of the frameworks and the rubrics and ways. What would be some language a mentor could use if, let's say they're in the workplace, I'm just making a stereotypical situation. A much younger employee comes in, shares something very vulnerably that doesn't feel like the mentor kind of knows what to do. Like, what kind of language would you uh, suggest, even within the workplace or even outside of the workplace, they mm. use to kind of flag that like this, you know, they're, they're turning into dangerous territory and they don't feel comfortable continuing the conversation?
2: I think simply put, turn it into a question. Is that something that you would like to talk to somebody about? If you would like to talk to somebody about it, can I be of any help? Can I help you look at the people who might be able to help you around that topic? I'm flattered that you've come to tell me, of course, I will keep this confidential. But I'm probably not the best qualified person to help you. But I'd really love to to find you somebody who could be really helpful to you. And that would be my commitment to you. I think it's something along those lines because if you don't you know don't try and rescue people if you don't know how right
0: yeah i love that and you know mentor mentee relationships evolve in all kinds of ways so you can start off with a very professional and then you know suddenly it maybe evolves into something more than a mentor can handle so i love that can you talk a little bit about asking questions or sort of that framework is that generally how conversations well maybe a podcast interview is uncomfortable because we keep asking you questions but you're not asking us questions I mean, you're welcome to ask us questions, but well, I um, yeah, do my best
2: to give you some synapses synapses <laughs> on thoughts that they may not be posed as questions because, because as your guest, I guess I am here to answer your questions. But I'm I'm working away in the background on your subconscious. Trust me,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, you can ask us questions, Tom. You just might not like what we share.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, questions. Um, I think the art to questions is what are you trying to achieve. I think that we all need to know the what before we start anything. So am I trying to help you get clarity? Am I just simply supporting you? Am I trying to get help you move to action? What am I doing? That would be one thing. The second thing I would say is that words... Matter. So, for example, in our organization, we talk a lot about asking people for help, because very often people think that when they have to ask somebody for help, that it makes them vulnerable, it makes them uncomfortable, it makes them feel like they should have the answer and that they'll be judged for not having the answer and so forth. And then when we say to people, OK, but how do you feel when somebody comes to you to ask for your help, to think something through so they're not asking to borrow money they're not asking you to do their job for them. but they are coming to you to for your help to think something through and the response always comes back well you know i feel respected and trusted and i feel like th- they think i'm an expert and that i can actually help them and you realize that there's this really bad hard work so when we do that i have to be really careful to say to people how do you think most people feel most of the time when they have to ask somebody for help? So I'm going to say that again. How do most people feel most of the time when they have to ask somebody for help? Because if I ask the wrong question, how do people feel when they have to ask for help? I'm going to get the wrong answer, which would be, well, I love asking people for help. Because that doesn't help me <laughs> that doesn't help me illustrate the point, right? So you have so I think words and structures of questions really do matter because they they get you to where you want to be or they fail to do that. And as a coach, you know, a coach is a vehicle that takes you from where you are to where you want to be. So the way that we think about and structure questions is absolutely critical
1: i don't remember my basketball coach in high school asking me many questions it was more commands so i was just kind of thinking through how 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 does that change and this might be kind of switching gears and i might be getting off topic but how does that change for the executive coaching? and helping individuals versus when helping teams, do you adjust your questions in that sense when it's, a, when it's a broader question rather than somebody, or when it's a broader group as opposed to an individual? Because as like I said, like some coaches don't ask a lot of questions in but are still labeled coaches. And maybe that's not in this executive sense.
2: Am I- I, I'm not sure that many coaches can be really good coaches if they don't ask questions, at least in the executive coaching space. And honestly, if your coach and your, if your basketball coach had come to you, Jimmy, and said, What do you think you most need to work on? Here's the feedback. Here's what I see happening on the court. I think your potential is to do this on the court. How could we bridge that gap, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's so it, it's a combination. You know, a sports coach is a combination of somebody who's building the confidence, get, digging out the potential, and saying, Don't do that, do this. It's, it's, it is that sort of mixture between coach and mentor. But in terms of how questions are structured between teams and individuals, some are applicable to both and some aren't, right? I mean, this is the art of getting the right question at the right time that creates that aha moment that goes, wow. I mean, I was I was on a call today with somebody from one of the big consulting firms and she was talking about a, a sort of, you know, potential thinking about doing something different with her career and what have you. And and we got into a conversation around whether she might take a corporate role, for example, or do a, more of a coaching type role. And she just didn't sound like she properly thought this through. And I said to her, you know, you're nearly 50 years old. This isn't the last quarter of your career at this point. If you think now that we're all going to work till about 70, something like that, you know, you've got another 20 years. And don't you think you should be really conscious of what do you want? You know, and I, again, I, I generally don't quote the Spice Girls, but they did say what you <laughs> 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 Generally. So Jimmy actually does comments. all the time. Generally, How did you know that?
1: Oh, my generally, God. Generally,
2: I don't. But they did say what do you want, what do you really, really, really want. And it's yes. the best question in the world, right? Because it's on every level. It's on every plane. What do you want spiritually? What do you want so your success to look like what do you want your legacy to be like what do you want your daily life to be like what do you want your relationships to be like what do you want to be famous for and what makes a good death ooh wow because that's where all of that culminates so i just said to her you need to go away and think what you really really want because you you know these two things are so far apart they deliver entirely different lives They they deliver entirely different outcomes, different, literally day-by-day difference. I don't think you're ready to make any decisions until you think, what do you want? It is life's most important question that we can actually answer, right? Why do we exist? Maybe an important question to some people, but there's never going to be an answer. But what do I want, dot, 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 to achieve, feel, others to know, whatever that want might be, we can answer if we soul search enough. Any prompts for soul searching that our listeners can chew on? Okay, this is weird, all right? Just, we're going into, uh, you're going to- I mean,
0: it can't be weirder than the Spice Girls. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> believe me, it can.
2: <laughs> Great, we're here for it. All right. So when I was training, um, when I was doing my postgraduate program as an executive coach, somebody told me about this amazing magical tool. So the amazing magical tool is called the Nirvana letter. And when you write a Nirvana letter, you put yourself at 20 years, for example, you could choose 10, 20 years in the future. So when I wrote mine or 25 years, when I wrote mine in 2002, my Nirvana letter was dated 2037. And your Nirvana letter starts with, Dear Julie, I am looking at the sunset in my garden, overlooking the beach in the olive grove. So you you are physically at that point in the future. And you look back to the present day, and the instructions are it's been your perfect life. But you can't use magic. So if you're not born in America, you can't become the president of the USA. You can't, (laughs) right? You cannot- I don't know whose Nirvana dream that is. That's a whole different question, (laughs) as an example. But you can't win the lottery. You can't say, oh, and, you know, five years ago, I won the lottery and that, you know. So within, but within reason, you've had your perfect life. And when I wrote my letter, I started- to talk about the legacy of the Preston Associates, my firm, and how the young people had taken over. And I talked about, this was before either of my parents died. I talked about how I had been there for my mother and for my father during their death. And actually, my mother died in my arms, and it's my greatest achievement in life. And I talked about how I... Built buildings in Shanghai, and how I had this house in this very sunny place, and you know, just caring about homelessness and how it just shouldn't exist in rich societies, even if all those rich societies are on the edge of bankruptcy. But homelessness shouldn't have to exist, and what I'd done about it. Anyway, so this letter I wrote. Dated 2037, there I was in my garden at whatever age I, I will be if I make it that far in 2037. And I look back and I laid out all of these things and every single one of them have come true. And we're not yet in 2037, we're only 2023. So I think that once you decide what you want, once you can access your unconscious mind, because this Nirvana, this writing of the Nirvana letter is an exercise in your imagination which in other words is unlocking your subconscious and giving yourself permission to say i've had my perfect life most of us are far too afraid to think about what our perfect life could look like but if it's just some hokey letter i'm going to write and it probably doesn't mean anything but actually the impact that it's it's had on me and and many 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 other people in terms of identifying what we want because your brain is this incredible machine once you say to it what's important so when we were born somebody probably smacked her ass and and in the process we were told breathing is important right and we've never had to think about whether or not i should breathe again right so once something is important the brain once it knows it's important it subconsciously starts to find ways to make that important thing happen that's I mean, whether that's scientifically true or not, time will tell. But it's certainly experientially true for me. And I do think that this question about what do you really, really, really want, you know, we have to find answers to it because this isn't the dress rehearsal. And I don't think anybody wants to wake up at 87 and go, oh, no, I didn't, or I regret, or I wish. Because at that point, there's little we can do about it. Today, we can.
1: I kinda wanna take a little time and, and write. I'm I might need to, you know, duck out of the podcast <laughs> for a minute. That's uh, what what physical place were you in when you wrote that? Like how did you make yourself comfortable to unlock your imagination?
2: Actually actually I did it in this very room and, with the windows. And I just I'll probably tell you the truth, I probably had a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> All good. But the, the, real, the real point is just letting it out of your soul, right? Don't edit yourself. Don't wonder whether you have permission to wish for the best things for you and for others. Don't think, oh, if I, if I say that out loud, I'm going to jinx it. It's going to, you know, don't let your superstition, just let it come out. If you never want to show your letter to anybody, another living soul, you don't have to. But what you learn from it coming out of your soul, out of your subconscious, about what's really important to you, for me, was life-changing. And I often go back and I often reread the letter, going, how am I doing? And some of the detail is kind of interesting in the sense that when I I wrote the letter, I pictured myself in a garden of a house in the south of France that I'd rented. And in the end, that's not the house that I have today that would be in my Nirvana letter. The house that I have today is somewhere completely different. But it's a house it has a view of the sea it's you know th- there's enough similarity for it to be kind of well that's a tick
0: but my question is so what now it's 2023 your letter was for 2037 do you update the letter do you feel like as of now you've completed what needs to be completed or do you feel like there's more to add i, I haven't
2: updated the letter because i think i did a pretty good one to start it. <laughs> 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 That's a fair
0: answer, Tom. That is a fair answer. The letter that I
2: wrote is, I, I, I have a book. I don't think you can, unfortunately, I don't think you can buy it in America, but you can get it on Amazon in the UK called Coach Yourself to Success. And the letter is in the book. So for anybody who wants to read the letter, see if you can find, find the book, because I think it's helpful actually not to, not to read somebody else's letter because you want the same letter, but to kind of visualize what your own letter could look like. I think, you know, just think about how we do these things. Think about what is next. I, don't, I haven't edited my letter because I'm very busy living life. I'm traveling for fun and for doing new things. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I feel like uh, there's so much. Life is such a big gift, right? And there's so much to do and there's so much to learn and there's so much to experience but the important things were covered in my letter. So I don't think I need to rewrite it in that sense. I just need to stay true to what matters to me. Tom, I want to talk about
1: the, the tree, the leadership tree that you had brought up earlier. In a previous episode, actually earlier this month, we talked about a metaphor of the mentoring tree, and sometimes the importance of not having your branches or you know shade somebody else's success because certain mentors might choose to be you know, quiet or silent or or a shadow and not actually uh, be you know shown as a mentor so that the mentee can fully own their success and grow. Can you talk a little bit more about the leadership tree and help our listeners understand not how to fully you know, draw their own tree, but just how to maybe work through like the branches, the
2: trunk and the roots in some way. So, you know, as an executive coach, you're never allowed to talk about yourself with a client. So I would never, I I would not really ever do this. So I'm going to take this opportunity because you've been kind enough to give me the platform to talk talk about me. me.
0: Yay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We are here to talk about you. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's what we're here for.
2: So, um, so when I do my own tree, the, th- the roots that were important to me, the experiences that kind of shaped who I am today were a number of things. The first was my parents' sense of anything is possible. My dad was a doctor, my mum similar, and it was all about being in service to people. So they gave me a fundamental belief that my life's work is to be in service to other people. And they gave me a second one, which was life is pregnant with opportunity anything is possible we grew i grew up in malta i went to school in in canada then we moved to hong kong you know you're like just everything's so exciting so i have this deep belief of everything is possible and then my mother had quite a lot of money which she she promptly spent all of it so we then ran out of money so i have this kind of schizophrenia around caution and possibility. You know, my sort of terror mm. is that I'm going to die on a park bench penniless, right? Mm. So, so these are examples of my roots, right? So how do they go into my trunk? Well, this sense of optimism and anything is possible makes me a consumer op- optimism, a- optimist, which I think you have to be if you're going to be an entrepreneur. On a bad day, that kind of strength is super irritating to other people you know, <laughs> what is he smoking he everything's always positive oh, <laughs> he doesn't want to deal with the bad news doesn't want to you know he thinks he can solve every problem on the planet you know it's right super irritating so i have to be aware that i have this kind of superpower which is my optimism and mm-hmm. that it has a very dark side if i overuse it especially to people who are introverted especially to people who are fact based you know i'm i'm an intuitive practitioner i'm not you know so that that's as an example the kind of terror of dying on a park bench and this this the world is full of opportunity means that i'm actually extremely i'm a very conservative business person even though I will invest and make things happen, but I really make sure that I think they're the right thing. That can make me, on a bad day, a little bit too conservative. You know, maybe I'd be be able to help even more people than we do today as a firm if I wasn't quite as cautious. And I think, you know, that the whole thing about the world being full of opportunity because my parents had to go live in different places either because they wanted to or then eventually my father actually had to earn some money you know because <laughs> we didn't have any <laughs> so so you know that's given me a lifelong absolute love of travel right and so mm. if somebody said here's a job you're going to be in this kind of cook this this little cage and you're never going to be able to go anywhere or meet anybody or do anything you, we just want you to sit in a dark room and code, that would be my worst nightmare, right? So it's it's kind of, this is how you sort of learn about yourself, right? That's the point of the tree. Does that answer your question or not really?
1: Yeah. How does that then go into, like, is is it a full metaphor, I guess, or it is, is it the roots in the trunk? Like, do you get into the tree? Do you get into, you know, seasons? Like, how productive is that for you and or, like, clients?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, but- I think once you, once you get into the tree, you're thinking about what are, what, are the, what are the support systems that help me to succeed? And what, what are, are my dreams? What do I really, really, really want? And then you can gotcha. see how all of that joins together. And, you know, that, that, there's nothing wrong, for example, with saying, I want to run a really profitable business. You know, not everything has to be hugs and kisses to everybody. You know, there's a, real, there's a reality out right we're not all businesses have to run successfully and very often part of being successful is being profitable so it's perfectly okay to say you know one of my dreams is to run a profitable business it doesn't it doesn't have to always change the world about you know and leave the world a better place necessarily it's helpful if it can do both Mm -hmm. so yeah it does it, it, it is quite holistic it does join together tom before we get to rapid fire word
1: association julie do you have another question
0: No, I just want to say, Tom, honestly, this is like these different frameworks or different ways to help others explore who they are and to be able to maybe share authentically who they are. So I think you've shared with us so many great things. And I think what's really going to stick is definitely kind of that language around questions and ways that you can help others share more about themselves, identify if you aren't the right person for that. But I think some of these The Nirvana letter and the tree are just some really, really great ways to get to know yourself better and to get to know others better. I'm dying to like talk. uh, So Jimmy and I will have time to talk afterwards. I think definitely about this Nirvana letter is just all over my brain, uh, especially today. So, yeah, no, I really am just uh, really appreciative of the perspective that you brought uh, us today and our listeners. So. That's all I got. Well, thank you
2: very much. It's been a real joy both talking to you now, but also in the preparation. If anybody hasn't (laughs) met Jimmy and Julie, they're awesome. (laughs) You get to know them. (laughs) Keep going. Today is their birthday. Both of them have the same (laughs) birthday. Get
1: out of here. It's the best
0: day to write our Nirvana letters. Happy birthday
1: to both of you. (laughs) Thank you. Tom, I want to play this quick game with you right before we, we bounce. It's a rapid-fire word association for four words. Okay. So okay. when I say the word mentor, what do you think of? Coach. When I say the word mentee, what do you think of? Coachee. Oh, I la- nice. How about sponsor? Budget. <laughs>
0: Ooh, we've never heard that one before, Tom. Yeah,
1: I like that. Love that. And, and then lastly,
2: the word coach. The vehicle that takes you from where you are to where you want to be. Nice.
1: Now, just for me and for fun, this is not standard, but in your specialist areas, when you talk about family business coaching, is that really just another way to say resilience and crisis coaching? Because it's just constantly in crisis and people need more resilience?
2: Absolutely not. Like <laughs> damn Tom, you, you didn't get, you, I just wanted to make a bad joke. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because you know what? What a lot of people don't understand is the burden of wealth for anybody who doesn't have money it's the panacea to all ills to those who have a lot of it it comes with a huge amount of responsibility so sorry jimmy i can't even make a joke out of it <laughs> <Ooh>. sorry that's <laughs> a great
1: answer huh tom th- this has been great thank you so much jimmy
0: what a phenomenal interview I love Tom. I felt so inspired. What did you think?
1: I feel like he's listening to this on a boat in the Mediterranean. <laughs> and he didn't Tom, invite us. call me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right there. We'll be right there. We need a vacation. Tom was amazing. I don't think we've had a guest yet that not only absorbed all of our long-winded questions, but also more or less responded with, yeah, that, that's that's cute. Good question. This is how you deal with it and tom was just he was on it he had such great points of view and you know frameworks that felt classic immediately when he told me them and yeah i mean i don't know how many people have you already told about nirvana letters julie
0: i don't know how many i've already written i actually uh yeah i just keep you know writing them just getting back to my 90s roots but
1: the, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Omar Tom's a real deal. is like, for a, literally, <laughs> leave me alone, lady. I mean,
0: hashtag Gen X, definitely, yes, born born of the era. No, Tom is a real deal. I mean, Tom is definitely the real deal. Like, And I feel so lucky, I feel like our listeners are so lucky that we got a lot of really uh, valuable information that I'm sure he shares with a lot of his clients that are quite substantially a part of, you know, well, anyways, that they're paying a lot. So... We got a lot of great frameworks that our listeners can take and be able to use. And I think going to the first first thing we were talking about, how Tom helps others connect more authentically with each other, is that the idea that the smartest people in the world ask for help, and he actually knows some of the smartest people in the world
1: and coaches some
0: of the smartest people in the world. And they all and Tom ask for
1: help one of the smartest people in the world
0: it's so hard to ask for help i find it very hard
1: i find it hard to ask for help because i feel so much context needs to be provided for a useful answer and then i get to be thinking oh well it's so hard to provide context and i think like most people you got to realize like your stuff isn't that difficult you just need to take a moment and a deep breath and say okay I have this very basic question. Whoever you're asking it isn't going to do it for you. So you still need to do the work, but you can still say, hey, I need a little bit of direction or some support. And I think that's that's the key piece. You're not asking for help and being like, will you do it for me? You're asking for help and I don't know what to
2: do.
0: And the humility, which we talk a lot about, is like I don't actually know all the answers, which is so much of why mentoring is so important that you can ask people to be able to support you and help you and they're going to share something with you that you wouldn't have even thought of. So the fact that he sees these top CEOs and the ones that are really successful are not the ones who know that they know everything. They know that they have to ask people for
1: help. So simple, but yet so challenging. And when you ask one for help and they reply, they're almost automatically emotionally invested in you succeeding in what they just asked you about. So you have made that person a mentor because they are now emotionally invested in your success so it is this amazing i wouldn't say trick but you know slight of phrase that allows you to connect with folks and they will genuinely care
0: and they feel better about themselves you're actually giving them a gift for the opportunity to be able to help you which feels so counterintuitive like you're bothering somebody asking them for help or but at the same time you are actually giving them a gift to be able to help you so that was something i loved from tom but the thing we learned Jimmy that I had not, ta- I had not actually heard in the context of mentoring and coaching is the idea of the Nirvana letter, which is basically sitting down and writing a letter to yourself, X number of years in the future that is describing exactly where you are, exactly what your life looks like, what is happening around you. It kind of reminds me of Mike Fada's best day ever a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit more in actually setting the stage and imagining yourself there. And the fact that Tom had written this letter has all of those sort of characteristics there, and is able to just appreciate that he has kind of gotten to this point is able to um, have seen how his success has come to fruition. I love 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 this idea. I haven't d- I haven't done it yet, though.
1: Did you do it? I exercise my imagination all the time and unlock my self consciousness But I have not wrote myself a Nirvana letter like this, I've only written Nirvana letters year to year. So, this full mm. future is a very different way to go about it for me. But unlocking the self conscious, I feel, is just such a wonderful term. Not because this is science fiction, but you mentioned Mike Fodder's best day ever. This reminded me immediately of LeBron James, you know, the king yes. of uh, uh, basketball at the time. He likes to send out tweets or X's that are talking about how future LeBron would have coached past LeBron and how current LeBron would view the interaction. So it can be a little meta, but it's definitely an exercise of unlocking your self-conscious, which simply put, like, if you can't imagine yourself somewhere, how are you ever gonna get there? Like, again, it's so simple, like the structure of it is so simple, yet it's a very complex and powerful tool that Tom gave to us.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, and I am definitely going to sit down and do it. I already have an idea of, yeah, of what that could look like. So, and also sharing your Nirvana letter, potentially with a mentor, right? To kind of have somebody along the way, going back to the first point, somebody who could maybe help you get to where you want to go and that helps set your vision very much of our principle, which I would say Tom's main principle is vision. I think he really helps with the Nirvana letter setting that vision that we talk a lot about here at Augmenters. And for us, the vision is really focused on the vision for the mentoring relationship, but I think Tom really, A, he is the vision <laughs> to me. I think I want my Nirvana letter to be, to be Tom, which I don't think will actually happen. my own version <laughs> I, of that. I thought you were
1: gonna say, Go to YouTube and check out Tom <laughs> vision. We didn't quite get a full tour of his living room, but let me tell you about those windows. Let me tell you.
0: Jimmy and I are going to show up at his house and do a full tour of the windows and everything. But yeah, I think for me, his principle, I thought it was something else, but it really is vision. That's that's my feeling. What about you?
1: It's got to be. Especially when I think about the idea of the mentor tree and how uh, you don't necessarily have to tell people who you have been mentoring and instead think about uh, what kind of mentor network you want in your life to help you provide the greatest amount of diversity, support, intellect, and really power uh, behind all of your decisions as a leader. You know, Great leaders need to also be excellent at network creation. We're not using the terrible word networking. We're talking about how do you have folks that care about you, they're emotionally invested in your success from a whole range of backgrounds. And with a mentor tree, where you have all these branches that you that are folks that are coming to support you as a mentor, and then all these mentees, these are your roots that ground you, that also give you feedback. It can put you in a very powerful place as a leader because you don't make decisions alone. You don't make decisions in a silo, and you're able to go out and ask people without having to ask or pay for help, but people who wanna see you succeed, you're able to say, hey, I need to bounce this off you. And uh, that's a very powerful tool for leaders you have that mentor tree, but the only way to get there is you need to be able to see where your holes are in your network. For instance, like I don't know anybody who's a trainer of dolphins. I've only watched Ace Ventura. So if I was going to have more time around animals, I would need to go out and find a veterinarian or other folks who spend more time with animals to be part of my network.
0: You could bring I mean, them to your warehouse.
1: <laughs> we, we are near the National Aquarium in Baltimore. That's very true.
0: Absolutely. And over time, here we are like closing in on our 100th episode before we know it that we have had to have a lot of mentors to help us to get to this point. So I think this is that is a great, great point is making sure you're finding those people who are there to support you really setting your vision with your nirvana letter and tom was just brought so many good examples i appreciated that he had a chance to talk about himself a bit um, yeah. i know as a coach you know you're not always able to share really specifics about yourself so i'm glad that he was excited about that and felt comfortable
1: it was really powerful and he shared some yeah some of those lines still stay in my head about that nirvana letter he wrote to himself and how he fulfilled it
0: yeah it was awesome it was a great time with tom and uh, we'll look forward to coming to Tom's apartment and uh, having tea.
1: I think I'll just stay out outside the window and like look in, you know, I'll just wave. That's probably, <laughs> Tom and I have, can that's... have
0: tea inside and wave yeah. to you.
1: Yeah, you, you can go inside. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Augmenter's out.
0: Wow, you've made it this far and we thank you hopefully you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships want to tell them more jimmy
1: be an augmenter with us visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us share our podcast with someone you care about like and subscribe and yes really you following our show and writing a review it's a big deal your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out and earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out. See ya.